1: T O L K I E N and Instagram at Tipples and Tolkien.
0: So cozy up,
1: pour yourself a drink,
0: and come on a journey with us this fall on Tipples and Tolkien. Action
2: stations, action stations, set condition one throughout the ship. This is not a drill. Repeat. Action stations, action stations, set condition one throughout the ship.
1: Action stations. Set condition one throughout the podcast. This is set condition one, a night shift radio production. I am SC one actual Caleb, and with me is my exo Kitsy. Hello. And uh, what did we decide? Would do you want to be the uh, the president of the twelve colonies, Andrea?
0: I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love
1: welcome welcome so this is our first official episode of set condition one uh if you've joined us for our introduction last week you you know kind of what we're about here but of course uh, uh we're going to talk about battlestar galactica and uh, i'm very excited and for uh for kitsy and myself this is a journey down a uh just a treasured uh story that we both love uh, but for for andrea this is a brand new experience, so uh, can't wait to dive into what you thought after getting your uh, your initial uh, questions and speculation last episode. Uh, quick warning: uh, we're not going to be shy at all about spoilers for the episodes we watched, although we will try to refrain from spoilers for future episodes. So, if you're also enjoying this for the first time with Andrea. Uh, We'll try not to ruin it for you because it's a great story. Uh, but let's kick it off with a c- quick recap. So today we watched the miniseries part one, which is the reintroduction, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica, originally in 2003, brought back in 2004. Uh, and we learn that there was a war about 40 years ago or so between uh, humans and their creations, the Cylons. Uh, who are a, uh artificial intelligence robotic race created to serve mankind. Uh, they got smart, they got salty, and they got even. And then they <laughs> fucked off. <laughs> <laughs> After a long and brutal war, they fucked off for their own planet uh, to just live in peace and... Like, not have to deal with our bullshit anymore. Uh, and, and who could blame them? Yeah, who the could dream. blame them? <laughs> and nobody has heard from them for roughly uh, 40 years or so. But as we mentioned in the last episode, uh, a space station was set, uh, uh, created in neutral territory. And uh, every year, a human uh, delegate goes and sits and waits just in case they want to reach out and, uh, and, and touch us again. Uh, but they never do until now. Uh, we open on this uh, human delegate in the space station, waiting, thinking, you know, once again, no one's going to show up, but this time someone does. Uh, two of the Cylon Centurions, who we're familiar with from the, the past uh, history of battle gal- Battlestar Galactica, uh, appear, but then a woman appears. We don't know anything about this woman, but she introduces herself, and then they blow the fucking space station up, <laughs> thus starting... The New Cylon War. Now, the Battlestar Galactica is a relic of the old war, and they're getting ready to decommission it. Uh, and we slowly get introduced to uh, the, the crew and the, other, the remainder of the, the cast uh, as they're preparing for this ceremony. And most importantly, is Commander Adama, played by the just stellar Edward James Olmos. The majestic Edward James Olmos. <laughs> just the... Just near godlike Edward James almost uh and we we meet the the rest of his crew, uh such stand out as standouts as his son, Captain Leodama, uh who we learned they're uh somewhat at odds as father and son, and of course uh there's Carathrace, Thrace, known as Starbuck, who's the uh, uh the troublemaker take, yeah, the troublemaker, the take no Power shit rebel plucky. yes. <laughs> Very plucky, uh, and the uh, the XO Colonel Ty, who's just a, a gritty, salty old man uh, <laughs> who's drunk most of the time. I can relate. <laughs> Shit, maybe I should
2: have been actual, and you should have been the XO. <laughs> that's true.
1: I guess there's still time. Um, the crew of this ship are preparing for this ceremony to uh, to decommission it. They're going to be turning it into a museum. That's kind of acknowledges and celebrates the history of, you know, of humanity and of this war uh, and you know the peace that they've had ever since. Uh, and as this ceremony is coming to a close, there's a massive attack across all 12 colonies. And we learn that several of them, although not apparently all of them, which seems kind of interesting and in oversight to me, uh, are just nuked into oblivion. And so the, the last uh, survivors of humanity are trying to uh, decide whether to run or to fight, and uh, this is kind of where we're left with the episode.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So let's get into it, Andrea. Get into it. First thoughts.
0: Um. So. So I liked it. Um. And. What if that's all I said? No.
1: Um, <laughs> it was I good. Have... What do you want from me?
0: <laughs> yeah. God. Um, I have a kind of, uh, I guess, outside of the show question in terms of the um, the creator's intention. Y'all told me that it was a mini. It was just like intended to be a miniseries or were they hoping that it would get enough action to kind of blow it up into a regular series?
1: That's a great question that I'm not 100% sure the answer to. I know it was introduced in 2003 as this two-part miniseries and then later came back in 2004, uh, as the, uh, extended series with that as the pilot. Uh, now, let I'm me I'm going to assume that there was at least a,
2: a hope or an intention for a continuation of some sort because they do set up a lot of stuff that doesn't resolve in the miniseries, um,
0: which I guess I don't know yet because yeah, I've only oh, seen the first half. True, okay. yeah. So um,
1: it looks like that is probably the case. The only uh, reference that I can specifically see is that it began as a four-hour miniseries pilot on the Sci-Fi Channel in late 2003. Okay. So uh, it seems like yes, they they probably made it in such a way that like if they were never able to continue with the series, like. Here's this, like, really interesting, like, somewhat long cinematic uh, feature of, you know, a rebooted Battlestar Galactica. It's not satisfying, but, like, it looks really cool. <laughs> but our goal is to show you more.
0: Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this sort of exposition-heavy beginning and how um, there was a lot of information, obviously, that had to be dumped. But this sort of um, Aaron Sorkin tour guide, long shot in the beginning, where they're mm-hmm. kind of... Um, Giving you all the information you know through this the decommissioning of this the ship, um, which I thought was actually pretty um, clever, and it didn't feel too heavy handed until the second watch through today. Uh, so I was I was impressed with the setting up there. Um,
1: That's actually a really interesting thought because like I've never really considered how much exposition is given in that mm-hmm. intro because uh, I just I've, I've always focused so much on like figure out like who the characters are and like what their place is, but they really do give you a shit ton of history. It's a lot.
0: Yeah. And I think the fact that I didn't notice that again until we watched the second time, um, kind of speaks to what you were just saying about that, that it, it does feel it's, it feels pretty natural, um, which I think can be hard to do. So.
2: And I think that they might've known, well, I I think that, you know, there's a lot of, a lot to set up, to get the story going and i I think they didn't want to waste a lot Mm -hmm. of time because they could have taken a long time to get all that backstory in but yeah they really wanted to get to the kind of the meat and potatoes of the story pretty quickly yeah which i appreciate like it does not take long for shit to pop off
1: no it really doesn't and it's it's interesting the the way that they approach this because it is uh, a complete retelling of the old story they don't it's not like a, a picking up where the the original series left off uh, or anything like that. it's like it's completely reimagined and, in my opinion, significantly more action in the way that they approach it. Uh, but they have to figure out a way to kind of retell the like the the setup, the, the yeah. backstory for this without then having to basically give you what came five years later with Caprica. And then I think there was uh, another, there was like a feature like movie at one point that was set like during the war uh, featuring the commander, yeah. commander Adama, like as a young pilot, which oh, cool. I haven't speaking, seen yet. Speaking of which, can we talk about
2: how in the photo of young commander Adama with, with Lee and Zach as two sons, how much he looks like the Fawns in that photo? <laughs> right? That's definitely a photo of Henry Winkler. <laughs> <laughs> which is just. Wild,
0: equally cool. So uh, it's, it works.
2: Yeah, but I think I think Caleb, you left out a very important plot point of the synopsis. I did
1: v- skim very heavily, so
2: you you did. But uh, I, you, something we learn very early on is that uh, the Cylons look like
1: us now. Oh, we learned that, but the. Uh, the characters don't really learn that right away. That's Uh, true. There's there's two instances where they figure it out, and they both involve the same woman, played by Tricia Helfer, uh, who was just referred to as number six. Uh, She's the one on the space station just before they destroy it, and she's also the one that's been seducing uh, a very important character on Caprica, in Caprica City, uh, to gain access to the
0: planetary defenses.
1: Gaius Baltar. Gaius Motherfucker Baltar. Bad
0: guy, Baltar. bad guy with a name like that. That's <laughs> all you need to know is that name.
1: It really is like uh, like he's he's either going to be like ultimate Sleazeball ball or mm-hmm. like um, action hero. I was going to say Mad King. Oh. Also, okay, yeah, yeah. Mad King. Yep. Nope, that's better. <laughs> Emperor Gaius the <III.
0: laughs>
1: <laughs> I am Gaius Baltar! <laughs> Yeah. You will Absolute. bow before me. <laughs> Absolutely like egomaniacal villain. Um which I, I I feel like he he's a very different character in the original, but that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, a lot of them yeah. So he's a he's a very famous scientist, but he's also like incredibly arrogant and uh you know thinks very highly that's, of him. Hmm, yeah. Uh, thinks, that's an understatement. He's <laughs> <laughs> also very highly of himself. <laughs>
2: I mean, he's a straight-up sociopath.
1: <laughs> yes, that's true. But, uh, and doesn't even give any thought to uh, the fact that he's basically, like, selling uh, major, like, world security secrets uh, for sex. Well, and there's there's this part where, like,
2: when, when Six, uh, the, the blonde woman Six, uh, r- reveals to him that she's a Cylon... And at first he's like, "No, of course you're not. You're making that shit up." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then she's like, "No, you you know I'm not. Like, why did why did you think I really wanted access to the defense mainframe?" And then it kind of clicks for him, like what he's done. Yeah. And and the the his biggest concern isn't oh shit a lot of people are going to die uh-huh. oh shit the you know the city's going to get destroyed the plans going to get destroyed his concern is oh shit people are going to know it was me and I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> yes. And how can and how can I spin this so that I'm not the one at fault here.
1: His first thought is actually to call his lawyer. Yes. He actually yes. picks up the phone and starts to call <laughs> his fucking lawyer.
2: So so basically, no, I don't, I don't want to go political with this. I was going to like a Donald Trump, but we're not We're not going there. We're not going there. We're not doing it. Fair. We're not doing it. This is getting cut. We're not doing it. <laughs> um, Yeah, so... But before we get too, too, too deep into into Gaius Baltar here... um,
0: Low-key, low-key. I've been thinking of him as... Nice. Yeah.
2: Um, I would like to know uh, your thoughts on six, Andrea.
0: I have questions um, in terms of... So we know there are 12, and at first I wasn't sure um, if we were saying there are 12 distinct, like, you know... uh, like models, like there are twelve, and if you find them like core cruxes are all gone, or if it were more like iPhones, right, we've got eleven, it doesn't mean they're only eleven um and I think that what I figured out then is that there are probably many right of them floating around um and if she's six in a line of like um updated. Cylon models. What twelve must look like?
1: The uh, the iPhone analogy is actually really interesting because yet yeah, there are twelve distinct models, uh, but there are, are, are many copies of each. So the one that was on Capri- Caprica City is the same model, but was a different physical copy than the one that was on the space station, which got blown the fuck up.
2: Yes. Oh. And she,
1: she actually does uh, speak to that when she says, you know, when when this body dies, my consciousness will be uploaded into a new one.
0: Right, right.
2: Now, what's not clear is, is the one that was on the space station the same one that's on Caprica City? Or are they different, uh, like, different consciousnesses? That's true. They never really address that.
1: Because that's something, like, we haven't even necessarily gotten into in the show yet, uh, yeah. is that the, the distinct models can have separate distinct... Uh, versions of themselves uh, out there in the wild at the same time. So of course they develop distinct personalities and memories. It's
0: like multiplicity.
1: Kinda. It's
0: exactly like multiplicity. <laughs> well, actually, I wouldn't
1: say they, I wouldn't say they develop they develop their
2: own personalities because the the personality is pretty standard. That's fair, um, yeah. Like like within a model, the personality is very standard, but uh, their like experiences and their memories are different. Um, but also, well, you know what?
0: So like the photo album on my iPhone V the photo album on yours.
2: Yeah, like the software is the same. If the features are all the same, it does the same thing. It has the same annoying bugs, <laughs> but you have different pictures than I do. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good analogy.
0: Hmm. I
1: like this iPhone analogy. I feel like it's not too long before the iPhones do look like us. And maybe, maybe that's our Cylons. <laughs> uh, with that in mind, why don't we go ahead and take a quick break we're going to hear from uh, our sponsor for this week and then we'll come back uh, and dive into more of the events of miniseries part one hey everyone I'm Kitsy and I'm Caleb and this is Left of the Dial a music podcast
2: every week we each dig into our collections for a record we love or a new record we're excited about and
1: talk about it we'll share clips of songs that stand out to us and discuss why we chose each one what we love about it what we don't, and why the record was important to us. Hopefully we'll find some new music to love with every episode, and maybe you will too. So join us every Friday for new episodes at left
2: of the wherever podcasts are sold.
0: And we're back. And we're back. And we're back.
1: <laughs> we have returned. We have returned. We've returned. And the the Cylons have returned. Ah, ah. <laughs> so I was gonna say
2: I was gonna say during the, the copy we downloaded our consciousnesses into new bodies and have returned.
1: <laughs> I but would that- like to, to download my consciousness into a new body and get the fuck out of here. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Not here being the podcast, here being my house where I've where I've been for as long as the Cylons were dormant, it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wonder how that joke's going to play in like 2 months when the fairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we
2: should st- we should try to stay away from current event humor as much as we can seeing as how in advance we're recording some of these.
1: <laughs> so uh, I feel like there's uh, another major character who I kind of intentionally skipped over in the uh, the recap, but uh, that's because I wanted to come back and do uh, more of a like deep dive into her and her introduction, and that is the Secretary of Education, Laura Roslin.
2: Oh hell yeah! I <laughs> love Laura Roslin. Yeah, uh, she she is just a badass. Um, you know very early on she is uh on a like a transport ship with some other just random people that had gone to the galactica to um i'm not really sure why they were there i guess it was the ceremony and then they were coming back to caprica uh on this transport ship and that's when the whole war broke and so they were kind of mid-transit when it was like oh shit now there's nowhere to go
1: well, they talk to her about some of the, like, the educational parts of the what the museum that Galactica is going to become. So I think she's there literally in her capacity as, like, a representation of, like, the education branch of government.
2: Oh, that's right. That's right. Because um, they get into—actually, this is really important. They get into that whole thing where um, she wants to update computer systems on the Galactica to get them networked together so that they're, like, more efficient for the teachers— and uh, Commander Dama is all like, "Absolutely the fuck not! You are not networking computers on my ship." Even and though he's he, retiring and it's not his ship anymore, but like, um, and he, t- he talks about how that was how they uh, that was how they stayed alive in the original Silent War forty years ago was because. They kind of went backwards in their technology because the Cylons were so advanced that they could hack their stuff and shut things down. And so by keeping computers unnetworked on the ship, the Cylons mm-hmm. couldn't get in and do their Cylon-y stuff.
1: <laughs> I, I do love that he he specifically says, like, as long as I am in command, like, as long as this <laughs> yeah. is my ship. So, like, he acknowledges that there's a very, like, yeah. you know, finite period of time where he has any say. But while he does, goddammit, he does. Yeah. <laughs> He's
2: very stern about it. Uh, and, that's, and that's awesome. And I think that's the... Well, nope, nope. That'll be a spoiler. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, so, um, but uh, Laura Roslin, um, something I noticed this watch that I've never noticed before is, uh, I guess it's important to say that she becomes the president of the 12 colonies by way of everyone above her in the line of succession dying in the Which, war.
1: There's like 42 of them. Yeah, she's very far down the chain. Yeah,
2: she's very far down the chain, but she's the she's the top one that survives. So she becomes the de facto president, um, which is kind of fitting because uh, on this transport ship she was on, she kind of just took charge anyway mm-hmm. uh, and started giving orders. And and there's even a point where one of the the passengers is talking to uh, to Leodama, who comes on board that ship because he's their uh, their escort. And he's like, you know, hey, I, I'd pr- appreciate it if someone, you know, qualified was in charge. And, and Lee's like, what? what's wrong with your pilot? He's like, yeah, he's not the one giving orders. And so Lee goes up ready to, like, confront her. But she's just, like, fucking taking names and kicking ass and doing a job. And then Lee just looks at the other guy and he's like, she's in charge. I love that. It's <laughs> one of the best moments in the whole episode. <laughs> it is. And it's it's so fitting for her personality to just be like, okay, I, I you know what? I... This is my job. I'm going to do it.
0: You put a good teacher in front of an unruly classroom. Yes, yep. she just stood at the front. She said, "I'll wait."
1: <laughs> well, and I love because in the the last episode, we uh, we mentioned that there was a, a teacher involved and that she was very important. So uh, I kind of want to get your thoughts being introduced to to Laura Rosalind in this first episode. She we'll, is
0: the. Oh, sorry.
1: I,
2: I just want to say one more thing, and then I want to kick it over to you. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so she she uh, when she takes the oath of the presidency, this is the thing I didn't notice before.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: They're they're doing that thing where they like say, you know, I state your name, blah blah blah, you know, and then she, you know Laura Roslin's reciting it back, and the 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 person telling her what the oath is says like, you know, I Laura Roslin take the office of the presidency, and Laura yep. Roslin responds with, I accept the office of the presidency. Yes. And I thought that was so subtle, but such an important distinction.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, It shows how, like, she's reluctantly stepping up. Like, she had never planned to ever be in this position, but realizes how important it is that she do it for now.
2: Exactly. It's just she never wanted this power. She still doesn't really want this power, but she's like, this is my duty and my responsibility. I accept that, and I will do the best that I can. And I— respect the hell out of her for that yes um but i think what we're really getting to is andrew we'd love to hear your thoughts on laura roslin especially because i don't know actually i don't even know if caleb you know this but uh andrea is a teacher herself
0: oh
1: i i guessed I as much from the 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 banter last time but yeah now i'm very interested yeah to hear I, your thoughts.
0: she's um the love of my life uh already. <laughs> And yes. if anything bad happens to her, and you, y'all brought me into this, um, you guys are going to have a lot to answer for. Well,
2: I mean, she already <laughs> um, does have cancer.
0: She does. So that was the um, one moment, I think, that felt completely un, unnatural to me. Like, I thought back to a class. I took an undergrad, a playwriting class, um, and I'm not a playwright, and I had a character who was diagnosed early on with cancer directly that way and everybody in class was like that is completely unbelievable that they would just sit her down throw it at her and then be like well see ya um, <laughs> so um, I will say that but that's something that then is just kind of I guess going to be in the back of our mind that she's kind of got a I guess a sort of like ticking time bomb inside her right Basically. Although I guess yeah. we don't know Although, what
2: don't we all really
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, I guess we don't know too much about the advancements in, in medicine though, or am I to assume that we're still, Oh, Anyway. Um,
2: Rest assured that will be addressed in great detail yes. going forward. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say about that. It, it, it like that. They don't just kind of like forget about that. Mm-hmm. It does become like a whole thing.
0: Um,
2: and I don't think that's a spoiler because that's just how fucking cancer works. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you don't drop a bombshell like that in episode one and then never address it through four seasons or whatever.
0: Yeah, well, see, then that's, um, those kinds of things are why I was wondering how, uh, what they thought the odds were, I guess, that they were going to get to move past the miniseries. Um, and just me trying to make predictions for what could happen in the next hour and a half or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: I also, I, I love um, when we were watching it just, just now, you. Uh, you mentioned something about the guy that that stands up and protests about her being in charge.
0: Oh, and he, she sends him below deck. Yeah, you give the unruly student something to do away from the rest <laughs> of the class. Yeah, go clap the erasers. Um,
2: <laughs> That's yeah. basically what she did. Yeah. Go clap the erasers. Yep. I
1: teach. Is that, um, is that why I spent so much time clapping erasers? A hundred percent. Yes. Yes. yes.
0: <laughs> For sure. Um,
1: Without a doubt. Yeah.
0: Um, although I'm a. I'm an adjunct instructor at like university, so to say, like I would send my. Although I guess I still would. I don't treat them that much different than I might uh, a uh, kindergarten class. Um, especially they don't act those much kids. different. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I I love my students, and I wish that we were in class together right now, not online. And I, that's my disclaimer before I say it's exactly the same. Um, <laughs> but I love those big tall kindergartners very much.
1: Uh, there, There is a lot that happens in this episode, and there's a couple more specific scenes that I uh, I wanted to touch on if we don't get to them. But I also am curious, like, what else kind of jumped out at you as this uh, this action is being set?
0: I have... Um, so, obviously, the, like, family dynamics um, between the Adamas, of course. Um, tale as old as time, right? There's a lot of stuff, and I don't think I'm... I can't imagine I'm saying anything new that felt very kind of like Shakespearean to me that way. Okay. Um. Okay. Uh. And part of that that got me sort of in that headspace is because I thought um, Rosalind's name was Rosalind with a D, and that it was um, uh-huh. a Shakespeare thing. And then I got really crazy with the names. Um. I don't know if I said that I'm an English instructor, so like everything I I do is going to be looking at this through that kind of lens. Um, I love it. Whether I whether I want to or not. Um. So that ended up being wrong. Cause it's not quite the same, but that doesn't mean it's not still. Anyway. Um. Should I also? Is this the? Yeah, no, just keep going. Uh, my ADD disclaimer. Should I also sure, put yeah. that in here? So, um, but uh, she is great. And
2: what was I? Her and, name. And and just just for the record, because I know someone is going to be upset about this. It's a legitimate diagnosis, not just like oh, haha, I'm uh, so
0: ADD. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll yeah, that is
2: like like it's a, it's something you legitimately have as diagnosed by a medical
0: professional. Yeah,
2: as um so. Nobody so, tweeted Andrea yeah. and give her shit for that. Cause... Unless
0: you want to tweet at me and talk about um, ADD slash ADHD. Oh, yeah, that's fine. That's, I'm, I'm down for that all day. Um, right on. So, um, so, see, here it is in action. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, go, brain, go. Uh,
0: President Rosalyn is great. I have Ganymede written down here and I couldn't tell you why. I couldn't either. Um, <laughs> uh can what, I'm sorry. Can we go back? What was the question that led us there?
1: Uh, I was thinking if there was anything else that, like, in particular. Oh, jumped Shakespeare. You.
0: That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, family dynamics and et cetera, et cetera. Um, oh, boy. There were a lot of. Um, oh, here's Galactica ah! Tactica.
2: Galactica <laughs> Tactica. Um,
0: You're gonna have to. I just brown like. Okay, I'll I'll,
2: I'll jump in a couple things. There's um there's a couple, uh there's a couple points and characters that we should probably talk a little bit about at least. Mm-hmm. Um and the first one is I think we need to talk about the uh relationship between uh Cara Thrace, uh, call sign Starbuck and uh the EXO Salt High. Yes. Because there's a very very tense moment towards the beginning of the episode where uh. Saltai is off duty in the, uh, off, or not the officer's lounge, but the, like, with, you know, the pilots and the other folks. They're, they're playing essentially poker, but, you know, whatever. Full colors. Yeah, whatever the, <laughs> the, the Battlestar Galactic equivalent of poker is. Uh, they're playing cards, they're betting, they're smoking cigars. Uh, Saltai's is drunk. Shocker. Right. And, uh, and, uh, you know, he and Kara just jabbing at each other verbally, just like, you know, uh, you know, he brings up her being, you know, in in legal trouble as, as a, you know, young adult. And then, you know, she jabs at him about his, uh, you know, strained relationship with his wife and, and they're just kind of poking at each other and everyone else around is like trying to change the subject, but they're just like <laughs> needling in on each other. Uh, and then Kara wins the hand to which, uh, Saltai throws the table up. Uh, she decks him in the face and then, uh, you know, the whole room goes to pull, he- pull the two apart and, becomes a whole thing and he's like oh, i got you now you struck a superior officer i'm gonna throw you in the brig blah 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 um and then uh so so there's obviously some tension between them right they they don't get along this is not a new thing this is clearly an ongoing like ugh, with them uh but then later uh Ty is talking to commander adama in his quarters and adama's kind of like you know dude you need to back off of her a little bit, kind of showing that he's got, uh, Adama has this kind of soft spot for, for Starbuck. He's, Mm -hmm. you know, he almost kind of looks at her like a daughter and, um, you know, knows that she's kind of a pain in the ass, but also she's a really fucking good pilot. And, you know, ultimately she's a good person. And, uh, and, uh, there's this point where he, uh, you know uh adama says like well you know you did uh flip the table first and and he's like ah oh, no I didn't unless I did and he's like you did
1: <laughs> <laughs> like that puzzled look on his face like shit wait did I yeah
0: <laughs> me halfway through every game of monopoly I've ever played with my family <laughs> so I get it like he I didn't necessarily um have a ton of empathy for him but I definitely sympathized with him um uh there in that moment or maybe the other way around um but either way um that I kind of get yeah and you mentioned that uh Adama
1: almost treats Kara like a daughter there's like there's very much like a father daughter relationship there uh whereas Ty is I'm I'm struggling to find the right uh family analogy but almost like you know, grumpy a, a uncle cr- yeah a grumpy uncle that like like, everyone just kind of tolerates, but, like, you're, you're going to get in a fight with him if you're around too <laughs> long. <laughs> yep. He's that relative you
2: don't want to talk politics at Thanksgiving with. Yes. <laughs>
1: uh, one thing that I, I, I think is is really important, and we did mention this briefly in our, uh, our own pilot, is, like, how much, like, pain they take to really demonstrate, like, how low-tech the Galactica mm-hmm. really is. And like how important that becomes as the the series progresses. Like you know, you mentioned like they're on uh, basically like voice only wireless uh, communication between uh, between ships. Like they would literally communicate on like wired phones between uh, between decks. Um, like calling the fucking bullpen uh, they have paper like printouts mm. of like yeah. their duty rosters they're using like grease pens to mark up like maps and like damage reports and stuff like that and like it's all very much like it it feels like they're on like a not even like a current day but like and like mid 20th century like battleship in the middle of the ocean and not a fucking starship in space
2: yeah God. i mean really you you could you could really put you know these characters and what they're doing in that scene and it would make total sense mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. There, there's really nothing high tech i mean other than the fact that it's a spaceship there is nothing high tech about this this uh this battle star
0: mm-hmm. yeah it gives it this very for me anyway sort of like almost out of time uh feeling um especially that was the f- the first thing that really popped for me um, in terms of the the tech. And I had to be like, kids had to remind me why this was the case, the sort of overhead projector grease pen writing yep. up stuff um, that, that they used. And um, it is also just like a, I'm wondering how much of that is uh, budget questions. I'm always really, especially those shows like, um, Battlestar being right around the time as like uh, a few years later than than Buffy starting and Firefly and these shows that sort of had to decide where and when their money went. And um, I just thought that was like a, a sort of smart way from that end too. maybe like, well, we don't have to have weird hollow grams and we don't have to beam anybody up.
1: And it's great because, like, we see when we're on Caprica City, we see that this is a very technologically advanced city. Obviously, we know that they created sentient artificial intelligence. <clears throat> and they go out of their way to talk about how uh, Galactica is a relic compared to, like, all of the modern Battle Stars and, mm-hmm. like, even, like, the other ships of the, the fleet that aren't Battlestars. And, you know, they, they poke fun at it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> But when it comes down to an actual fight, they send out a squadron of brand new, uh, the Viper, uh, basically like fighter jets, but in Mm -hmm. space, uh, against the the Cylons. Uh, and they're all taken out of commission immediately by some secret Cylon weapon. Uh, and they essentially have to, like, dust off like quickly retrofit and send into action like museum pieces for like the mark ii <laughs> like the old vipers that uh used to be part of the the ship's complement and like send those into battle and like that's the only way that they have a chance against these new cylon fighters and it's fucking wild They're, like yeah. they literally have to like their their lives depend on old outdated tech that everyone spends the first like 20 minutes or so making fun of
2: <laughs> yeah um I also love since you brought up the Vipers, um I love the the fact that they don't have there's no lasers in this show. Yeah. It's they use bullets and uh-huh. missiles. And I think that's super cool.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like I, I think that and that really I think plays to that, you know, old school military aesthetic that the show does so well. Um But like I, I don't think this show works with lasers. Like it just wouldn't, you
0: know. No.
1: The and- the sight of like a, just a straight up old school airplane dogfight fight in yeah. space it is so badass it's such a weird yeah. juxtaposition
2: well and even the cylons don't have lasers the cylons are using bullets too which i think is 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 kind of cool because they could very easily have gone with the lasers option for for cylons since they're so much more advanced but uh but they chose not to and i think i think it, this is going to sound weird for like a show that's science fiction that takes place in in space with you know artificial intelligence sentient beings but like i think it keeps the show very grounded in reality uh um, i agree with Absolutely. with the day-to-day minutiae of it that that makes it so much more relatable to me than than something like you know like star wars or star trek would be which are again also very cool franchises but like you know they're very clearly this other uh you know this whole other level of of, of science fiction
1: There's a grittiness to the Battlestar world Mm -hmm. that is uh, put out right, you know, right from the the get-go that shows you that this is meant to be like this, like, oddly timeless feel. Like, is this the future? Is this, like, kind of like a a Star Wars type thing where it's long ago (laughs) in a galaxy far away, like, uh, like why is this like technologically advanced society like still relying on physical ordinance and like what, like, and it just, it gives this, like you said, this grounded, this kind of realism feel to that you don't get in a lot of sci-fi. Like I love uh, the new Star Trek series, series for example, Mm -hmm. but they're very flashy. They're very bright and Mm -hmm. uh, they're not shiny. Exactly. Uh, and they're everything that Battlestar Galactica is not, and it is not intended to be, and I love how that lets it stand on its own.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think timelessness is exactly right. Like, everything everything looked, still looked really good to me. Like, I wasn't laughing at any of the of the effects or anything that they tried to um, get across and thinking about it in terms of those other shows, like I was saying, which are were pretty um, oh, yeah. concurrent with it. Uh, it was just a really smart choice.
2: Yeah, I think th- there's a... I, 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 i'm interested to see this going forward um in, in later episodes as, as the show gets more budget and you know becomes an actual series not just the miniseries but like there was one scene where um uh, towards the beginning where lee was landing his viper on, ba- on the Battlestar galactica and it the the just cgi of it looked real cheesy to me mm-hmm. but it's just this like one moment and then everything else looked great so I'm interested to see if like because this is also my first time watching it. I'm watching it on a 4K TV, and Battlestar Galactica was not. Uh, oh yeah, was not <laughs> shot in 4K. Um, I don't think you can get it in 4K. Uh, if if someone finds, uh, someone knows it's in 4K somewhere, please let me know because I would love to see it. But um, so you know, it I'm, might just be that I'm watching it on a TV that was you know more detailed than this show was meant to to handle. But that that some of those early uh, CGI renders looked a little off to me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm rewatching it on a TV that uh, feels appropriate to what I would have watched it on in 2004.
2: <laughs> that's probably b- better, honestly. Mm-hmm. There's there's a couple more characters I think we have to talk about because they're they're setting up some plot stuff that's going to become really important later on. Um, and I think that uh, one of them is Galen Tyrrell. We need to talk about him.
1: Yeah, so I'd... A complete blank on who that was, but yes, you're The chief, right? The chief, chief Tyrrell. Chief Tyrrell, you he used his first name, and I'm like, Who the fuck is Galen?
2: <laughs> I don't think they use his first name until like season three. He's just Chief Tyrrell, yep, for uh, yep. for a while, but uh, but yeah, Chief Tyrrell is, is right away one of my favorite characters. You know, he's he's a real salt of the earth. He's the he's the crew chief, you know, he's the guy in charge of all the mechanics, the deck hands, the you know, the regular working Joe is just trying to keep the ship running. Mm Um, and, uh, you know, you can tell he's got a great rapport with his crew. He's got, uh, you know, he really cares about his people. There's, um, you know, a scene in that first battle where, uh, you know, Galactica gets hit with a nuke and they've got, uh, some damage going on and there's some fires and, uh, they have to make the tough call, uh, you know, Saul, the XO makes the tough call of like having to seal off some bulkheads and vent a section of the ship that has like a hundred men in it that are like fighting the fire. These are all like, you know, Tyrrell's you know, people that report to him Yeah, and Tyrrell's up there like, you need to give me a minute to get them out of there. I need 60 seconds. And, and, you know, Ty's like, we don't have 60 seconds. We're going to lose the ship mm-hmm. and, you know, makes the call to, uh, to vent it and, and, you know, essentially kill those people. Um, and, uh, you can tell, uh, you know, Tyrell is just upset beyond belief about that. And, you know, and I get it. Like, those are, those are his people. He's worked with them side by side for years. You know, he cares about them. He's, you know, he's a mentor to them and, you know, he, he's, you know, he's responsible for their safety ultimately. And, and so it's, uh, you know it's it's a real tense moment and he's he's real upset and he even goes to commander Adama to say like you know that was some bullshit i told that son of a bitch and adama was like you know he made a tough call in a you know in a in a very tense moment i would have made the same call like you mm-hmm. need to respect that you know he made the call he made and that's where we're at and we need we have a job to do like
1: and speaking to the the more like gritty realism of the show like there's no shields there's no like yeah we're at 40% but holding like you no know, they take a nuke to like the side of the ship and like the ship is on fire like yeah. there are holes in the hull people are dying like it's just it's an immediate like consequence yeah. to that that action um, but that's like that scene and like a couple others, like they don't explicitly like shine a light on it, but they kind of start to reveal the cracks in like uh, the like the class divides that we talked a little mm-hmm. bit about last time. How like you know, there's there's a definite difference between like the pilots and the deckhands, and yeah. like the 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 swagger versus the like the hard work and like kind of unappreciated like behind the scenes sort of stuff. And I think that's going to be really important going forward.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the pilots are hot shit, and the deckhands are, are you know, the, the scrubs. It's
0: mm-hmm. another thing that felt um, particularly Shakespearean to me. Yeah. Um, I kept thinking of, and I don't know their names, um, the... Girl with the bangs. I don't think we've gotten her name yet.
1: Uh, Callie. Um, but yeah, Callie.
0: Yeah. Um, you did tell me that, but I was um uh, acting as if I didn't.
2: Oh, fair enough. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, yet, yeah, because I'm I'm trying very hard not to. I
2: mean, that's not really like a spoiler. Anything, yeah. I think it's just,
0: um, but you know. her and her um boyfriend, the the one who doesn't uh, make it into part two, the crispy seems. man. Yeah, Ooh, crispy yeah, critter, crispy. poor guy. Yeah, real bummer.
2: Crispy Joe, I think um, his name yep. is. Yep,
0: but uh. <laughs> Yeah, it's how he's credited. It was an odd choice, but I mean, <laughs> you know. Um, but they just again they reminded me like they had like a sort of I kept, kept thinking like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern kind of thing. Okay. Um. Hmm. Uh. And and yeah. Um. I think that it's another one of those things that they're like you said to me anyway. Felt like a very subtle introduction to something that I'm assuming is going to um, be explored. Yeah. As we move forward, for sure. Yeah. I'm interested think, to see how
1: that goes. Uh, from my perspective, I think the the final thing that I would feel remiss if we didn't discuss is the uh, the when the raptor lands on Caprica. With before we get Hila. there. Before we get there. Okay. We do need to talk
2: about Boomer for a second, though. Yeah. Okay, Boomer. Um, yeah, there's, there's a. Did you notice that someone literally says "Okay, Boomer" in the, in the <laughs> series? Like <laughs> she says that. something over the radio, and someone says "Okay, Boomer." <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which I, I love. I have seen memes uh, referencing Sharon. Uh, yeah. With that, that line. And but yeah,
2: uh, that's actually literally said. And in, 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 yeah, Andrea, I didn't even catch it. Andrea pointed that out. She just starts laughing. I'm like, what? What happened?
0: She's like okay, <laughs> Boomer,
2: and I'm like oh. <laughs> so, uh, so but Boomer uh, is a is a raptor pilot. Uh, Raptors are the um, kind of like heavier like like the, the Vipers are like the fighter jets. The raptor is kind of like the helicopter almost. Yeah. Um, they they seem to have more advanced uh, like radar detection systems, or I guess Dredus is what it's called in in, uh, in Battlestar. Yeah.
0: And they know how to open doors. Jurassic
2: Park. I'll edit in some crickets there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but uh, but but they seem to be like the support ship that goes out with with the uh, with the with the um, the Vipers, and so mm-hmm. so she's a, a, a raptor pilot, and you know there's a scene where she comes in uh, comes in off a landing and is like bitching and complaining about a gimbal on her ship that's that's you know, not right. And chief Tyrell himself is like, I pulled that gimbal three times. I stripped it twice. I've taken every part of the ship apart and put it back. like, you know, and he's like, it's not the, the gimbals, not the problem, whatever. And they're like, you know, rant and raving at each other. And they go off into, into a, like a storeroom and, and lock the door and just start making out right away. Mm-hmm. Um, which, uh, and, and this is important to point out because, uh, because boomers a pilot uh, and Galen is the crew chief. She technically outranks him and is his superior officer. Mm-hmm. even though he doesn't really report to her. So, like, that's a big no-no. You can't do that. Yeah. So so and, they have to make out in secret.
1: And who do they think they're fooling, really?
2: Yeah, everyone knows. Everyone knows. It's very obvious. At least the crew knows. The mm-hmm. the the deck crew, they all know for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, Nobody's missing
1: that. Yeah.
0: They may have disclosed to HR in a uh, deleted scene. We don't know. <laughs> that but is entirely possible. Or, like, on a on the on the ship and
1: yeah. they probably figure that it's fine because the galactic is being decommissioned and they're going to mm-hmm. go off to other assignments and it's not going to matter.
2: Yeah. But That's true. Like they they probably weren't planning on working together much longer and like who knows. But uh <laughs> But man, life has a way of throwing curveballs at you, doesn't it? It
1: comes at you fast. <laughs>
2: it really does. Uh speaking of life come at you fast, uh boomer is out supporting a uh, a squadron of Viper pilots with her co-pilot Hilo, who uh, is I guess like the, the the greatest guy in the back of the the, the Raptor there. Yeah, and uh, they get hit pretty early on with uh, with some shrapnel from a, a, a Viper that gets shot uh, and blown up. And, uh, you know, Hilo takes a, a piece of shrapnel to the leg. There's a, a hole in the ship that's, you know, venting all their air out They're They've got a fuel leak. And so Hilo patches the, the, the you know, the hole to, to regain the the uh, integrity of the hull quick and then starts, you know, patching up his leg. Um, Boomer realizes they can't make it back to Galactica with this fuel leak. So uh, they've got to actually land on Caprica, which has, you know, as they know, has just been attacked uh, it's like I feel like the bombs are
1: still going off when they land.
2: They, yeah, some of them are, and so and, and the and as Hilo points out, like the entire Cylon armada is between them and Caprica. So uh, Boomer, being the clever pilot that she is, just kills the ship completely, and they just drift silently to Caprica and basically just look like space junk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, and so yeah, so they land to fix to fix the
1: uh, the fuel leak. And
2: then, Caleb, why don't you tell us what happens next?
1: So, as they're they're fixing the ship and preparing to uh, get the fuck back out of there, just Mm -hmm. the two of them, uh, over the hill comes just a stampede of humans uh, escaping the destruction of their planet. And, of course uh all hundred or so of them think that they're gonna shove into this uh raptor that uh can hold upwards of like four to six people comfortably but is
2: it's it's basically a minivan.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> like there there normally is two people on it. And somehow they think they're three. all going to to shove onto it. And of course every one of them thinks that they're uh uh they're important enough to save. Uh but then there's a, a you know compromise made like at least take the children, which I'm going to get myself in trouble here and say like, there were like, uh, you know, you can have more children. There are probably people with skills that are valuable in a war in that group. Uh, But no, by all means, take the children who are just going to take up space and eat your food, whatever. Uh, And then.
0: I'm sorry. I was just, (laughs) the queer theorist in me wants to go off so hard on why I am so on your side with that, but we can (laughs) can save that for the Patreon. Um, But I think that, yeah, won't well, somebody, I think somebody literally says, think of the children, yeah. like, which is, which is a Simpsons joke. Like, it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> won't somebody
2: think it's, of the children? It's, yeah. It's a very cliche line.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm just like,
1: I, you know, I have thought about them, but like.
0: Yeah, yeah. I thought about it and. Sorry. Like,
2: yeah, like I get like you want to try to save the children, but also we're fighting a war and like maybe we need people that can fight.
1: Yeah, maybe, like, go hide somewhere, and if we win this shit, we'll come back and get you. (laughs) And if Uh, not, well, good luck. And if not, well, yeah, you're probably better off uh, where we left you, honestly. Um, So they they realize that they've got um, just, like, one spot left, and they do a lottery, uh, which I guess they have time for. And (laughs) it turns out that uh, a fucking 300-year-old woman wins the lottery. (laughs) And so, Who can't once even again, read the
2: number on her ticket.
1: Yeah. Once again, like, not to shit on, you know, old woman and say that she doesn't deserve to live, but like, not p- terribly valuable to the war effort since mm-hmm. she can't, re- like, I can't find my glasses to read this. Uh, Her glasses are on her head. Like, again, I feel really bad for her, but, like, she's not going to contribute. She should probably stay and take care of... Help take care of the children who should also be left behind. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And uh, in this crowd is uh, our beloved villain, Gaius Baltar, who... uh, Uh, Upon being recognized, immediately is like I didn't do anything. Like, (laughs) what are you talking? Like, it wasn't me. I didn't give away the secrets. (laughs) Oh, that's so great because because just like, hey, aren't you guys
2: baltor He's like, I haven't done anything. And then tries and then tries to deflect because he's actually the one that reads the number for the old woman. And you think that he's
1: going to be like, oh, like you didn't get picked. Oh, but it's me. It's me.
2: Yeah, there's this moment where he's like holding the number, and you can tell he's thinking about being like, oh, I've got it. I've got you know number forty seven or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And um. But then, like, immediately he tries to deflect off of him. He's like, this woman's got 47. Yeah, look. Come on down. (laughs) Like, you know, immediately tries to get the attention off of himself. Um, But Hilo, of course, realizing that, uh, you know, Gaius Baltar is uh, one of the greatest minds of our time. Mm -hmm. uh, And Hilo's, you know, a military dude. You know, uh, Gaius Baltar, you're probably going to need him uh, to keep things going. So offers to give up his seat. Uh, much like, to, to Sharon's protest.
1: Yeah. Like realistically, like keep the, uh, the trains, like raptor pilot, take the, you know, the scientist, leave the kids and old, <laughs> like there's, yeah. there's math here that works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but you know, the plot must go on. Yes. And so, uh, all of these people are, are left behind on the planet to their fate uh, one of whom like tries to jump on the wing of the raptor as it's taking off. I'm like, I don't know what you think you're accomplishing, sir, uh, <laughs> yeah, other like, than getting, getting shot. Mean, what, is he planning on holding on as they go into space? Like, I, what I, is your plan, sir? I would really like to give him the benefit of the doubt to say that he just didn't think it through. He, uh, saw I that. Mean, it was,
2: he clearly was panicking, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's a traumatic situation, but it's like, You know, this isn't like a bus. You're not going to, like, skateboard off the side of it. (laughs) Fucking Marty McFly style. (laughs) Until you get to your (laughs) destination.
0: You saw that Facebook video of the kitten who traveled 500 miles in the engine of some family's car. Right. Somehow miraculously survived. We'll we'll make sure that gets
2: in the show notes. (laughs) Poor traumatic. But yeah, Hilo Hilo shoots his ass. He's like, get your ass off there. Um,
1: look, he... I'm staying, you're staying you're also bleeding now, you might want to look into that <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, Hilo is not fucking around he just gave up his seat so those people could live and he is not about to let some just nobody take that down so mm-hmm. uh, so he's there behind on Caprica with, with the remaining survivors
1: yeah and uh, that's the last we hear of him this episode it is and uh that's actually the last we hear of this uh viper crew for a little bit as well our raptor crew uh and i feel like this might unless there's anything else that uh is just burning holes in your hearts uh might be a good place to uh to pause as we approach the territory of part 2 well before we go out do we want to do
2: like predictions are you from from our first time viewer? yeah, I is have, that a thing we want to do? yeah, let's it's do up it. to y'all, but have, questions
0: yeah, I only have I have a couple little things um I our last episode I said that um my assumption is that we're gonna find out there are some people who are Cylons that we don't realize because you know, they're they're so advanced at this point. um my top contender right now is um the as yet unnamed um intern kid who's following uh president Rosalind around billy billy yeah um who um i have a theory about billy that kind of spans it's sort of outside the scope of this episode but maybe we'll talk about him and my thoughts on billy next week yeah we can Uh, talk about him next week and um so i'm suspicious of billy or anybody who gets lost on a spaceship um
2: (laughs) which he does mm -hmm, very early on finds himself in the uh in the uh, oh, what's the what's the word for it?
0: The like the, locker room. The,
2: the, it's like the bathroom, but that's not the right word. I uh, I don't know, but the what's like the military word for that?
0: Latrine.
2: The latrine. The
0: head.
1: Uh, uh, it's yeah, the head. Like basically like the showers.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, so that was suspicious to me. Um, and then the other thing is that we there's a moment early on where Six looks up and she says, uh about time I wonder when you get here. Mm. Um, And I don't know who she's talking to yet. Right. So that was the, like all of the other stuff I kind of see where they're setting up and have like an idea of where like Mm. the beats might move. But that was um, a sort of glaring open-ended thing that I'm curious about.
1: That's a a great catch too, because I, I saw that this time around and don't remember that really resonating with me in previous watches. But this time around it like it it
0: very much stood out to me when she said yeah. that. Yeah, I didn't note it the first time through either. So
2: now see, I took that because she kinda looks up as she says it. I kind of took that as um she's looking up and seeing the Cylon fleet.
1: Uh, Quite possibly.
2: Uh, you know, coming uh coming into into orbit of the planet and it's like, oh, there they are.
1: I have my own thoughts of who she might be talking to, but Uh, that is so deep in spoiler territory that... Yeah, let's not uh, go there. We're not going to.
2: You and I can't make predictions. (laughs) (laughs) That's not allowed.
0: Her relationship with what she's calling faith and referring to God, I think, is really interesting. And that's the only word I have for it right now because she hasn't given us much. But I'm very interested in how uh, sort of quote-unquote faith seems to be working in this show too.
1: It's, yeah, it's not too much of a spoiler to say that... uh, the Cylons and the humans have very different concepts of their religion, and mm-hmm. that, that does play a very important role. Cool.
0: Yeah. I love that. I'm excited. Awesome. Excellent. Well,
2: do you have any, any uh, questions or parting thoughts before we split up the FTL drives?
0: No, I think I'm, I think I'm ready to, to watch the second half of this.
1: Sweet. So that is Battlestar Galactica miniseries part one and of course we're going to be following up next week with part two and you can check us out at uh, set condition one throughout the podcast.com uh, or of course wherever you listening to po- listen to podcasts uh, but in the meantime we're going to spool up the FTL drives and make the jump to Ragnar Anchorage and we'll see you there begin jump prep we're leaving we'll be back start your prep
2: that Condition One is a Night Shift Radio production. Visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.